0: from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are
1: all my fancy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Sayez.
0: and my name is Jeff Stormer. And there is no guest here. This is just the no, two of us.
1: It's just family. Uh,
0: we're back to we're back to we're back to what works. We're back, back to, at it again at back the Krispy Kreme. Yep. back at it again at the Krispy Kreme uh side note before we get into our normal bits yeah uh i can't tell you how much i love back at it again it's crispy cream
1: oh yeah i i think about i for one like uh, hi listeners um before we get to what this show is actually about i want to talk about how dope that fucking like corkscrew turn is right before it's the amazing. person hits the sign what the fuck like everybody i don't know what people are dazzled with i'm dazzled with the gymnastics not the hit and the sign I'm dazzled
0: by the fact that they hit the sign because the sign is like 10 feet in the air. It's like 10 feet in the air. This person gets fucking air. This person gets enough air that they don't just clip it. They catch it with their entire leg and tear it out of the wall.
1: Yes. I'm Googling it. I'm going to watch it right now. I am also going to watch it because like... I think I think about it all the all the, the time. Fucking, and they kind of land it. If you see in like the last frame And they shouldn't because they hit a side. Like there's no doubt that this person landed on their butt. And like, you know, didn't, I don't think they fucked themselves up, but like, God damn, that's so impressive. They
0: they land at, like, they look like they land in like the superhero pose, which is like not a clean landing, but it's still pretty impressive considering they hit and tore a sign out of the wall.
1: I love, it's one of my favorite things on the internet. And also, if you joined us from listening to the All My Fantasy Skyjacks and you're a Skyjacks fan joining us for the first time, (laughs) welcome to the actual All My Fantasy Children. It has loose structure. So speaking of loose structure,
0: Aaron, uh, before we get into our actual show, (laughs) in which we take a listener-submitted prompt, uh, and we spin it into an original fantasy character, we tell the greatest story every time, we populate a shared universe called fantasy one story
1: at a time. But first, before we do that, Aaron, what's something that's getting you excited this week? Something that's getting me excited this week is motherfucking show tunes. I am reconnecting with my love of musical theater. Um, listeners, if you don't know this about me, I went to my undergrad is a BFA in musical theater, and then I have a master's degree in performing arts. So I fucking love theater and especially musical theater. And I've been listening to I've like kind of stopped listening to them for a while because I wore out like every album. But I'm getting back into the groove, and it feels so fucking good to be back in the saddle. I love that. I'm here for it. Um, there's some bangers that um I haven't listened to since like high school, since early college. And I'm seeing what when I was like in high school, when I was in college, especially all my old timer professors would be like, oh, this musical's timeless, blah, blah. And I'd like try to figure out what that means. And now like flash forward to a decade later and I'm like, I get what that means. Like when genres transcend like era and like the orchestrations are just good no matter what year you're listening to it in.
0: Can I talk about a musical that is perhaps a parody for my, for me to talk about? That fits that, that fits exactly that, Aaron. Is it that repo thing? No, it's not at all, Aaron. It's Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Andrew Lloyd Webber classic right. that you and I performed in high school, but that like, I, that like, yep. I I know, I know you know this, but like, that I joined the cast of that high school production because I genuinely love that musical so yeah. much.
1: <laughs> and I mean, it, yes, it, you have your, Jeff, my question is for you, the mic in your face, have your men proved it all worthwhile?
0: good line <laughs> great line great yeah, performance So
1: jeff's line in the show was have your men proved it all worthwhile and it was fucking great i i, I, I
0: worked i worked i i rehearsed that line for months did I had you one really line. oh my god are you kidding me Fuck like yes that makes I me so like, happy i was like listening to it in the car like or like when you would drop me off in my house like i'd listen to it and then like i would get it like i'm I, and also i just love that musical like it yeah. was just i was excited for that musical um yeah, God, I just, I, I do, I,
1: I, like a lot of musicals. I'm, 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 Jesus Christ, excited about this. Timeless musical, timeless musical. It's really fucking good, y'all. If it's you've never listened and, to it, it's the only
0: Andrew Lloyd Webber that I like.
1: That is 100. Wait, let me see. What's his body of work? Oh no, yeah, that's the only one. No, I No, actually, like.
0: I like whistle. I, 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 there's, there's some that I haven't seen that people have highly recommended. Like Jen what? Jen
1: recommends, Jen
0: recommends whistle down the wind a lot as like a oh, weird, man. as like a I, weird. As, like, a, specifically as it's, like, weird, and yes. also it's written by Jim Steinman, and, like, I love meatloaf, so, like, I might just enjoy that one. You know, know. it's,
1: there's a, oh God, there are a lot. Like, Evita is popular, it's not my brand. Joseph, a lot of people like. I forget he writes fucking Joseph. Um, Sunset Boulevard has, like, one banger in it. Uh, Cats? cat no that no
0: (laughs) cats does have cats does have uh skimble shanks
1: the railway cat though and that song is a banger can i tell you the truth i've never listened to the soundtrack
0: uh, I would ask that you listen to the one song on it that it, like actually rips and the yeah. rest of it. Well, there's two songs on it that rip. There's Mr. Mistopheles and yeah. there's Skimble Shanks and the rest of it you can pass on.
1: I couldn't um, do it. Like even in college, like it's so just disliked. And like it's I know it's a hot topic because some people are like people who don't like cats just aren't triple threats. And I'm like, no, Cassius doesn't have a plot. It has no plot. It is. I, I, look, I'm not going to
0: defend any of the quality of Cats. I am going to say, I, as someone that swears by Cats 2019, director Tom Hooper is a as a fascinating art object. I'm not going <laughs> to so defend any object? of Cats.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> but nor I am going to
0: say that those two songs are
1: bangers. You, like kids uh, listening, uh, have more, have higher standards for your musicals. If there aren't ac- uh, characters singing their subtext and singing about what they want and what they like, you know what's going on in their head fucking change the tune cats is a fucking mess cats is not good
0: <laughs> i like that well and to be fair that is why i i think it is a beautiful art object is because it is an incomprehensible mess Oh,
1: and like i know it's important to the history of the medium but that doesn't mean i have to like so like you starlight to like express it. is done in like roller skates and it's an amazing technical marvel fucking doesn't mean it's good <laughs> Do you know what Starlight Express is? Oh, I love yeah. Oh, uh, thank God. Skates. Okay, good, 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 yeah, good. No, and like uh, everyone's like a train or a robot. <laughs> it's insane. Um, uh, do you want to make a podcast? Oh wait, no. What's getting you excited this week? What is getting me excited this week is
0: I literally moments before this uh, recording sat down with three people that I dearly love to like launch a new project. Oh, is it a and, secret? Like,
1: Can it be a um, secret just to build hype?
0: It's like half a secret. I'll talk. Oh. About, like we oh. don't like. Well, oh. so here's the deal with it. I, it's gonna be not quite a secret because, like, uh, like it's still so far in development. Like it doesn't have a title. It's it in doesn't beta, have a release in alpha. date. It isn't. It is in pre-alpha. It is in focus group mode. Dang! But like we met for like the first cast like meet and greet for like an anyone can wear the mask like produced actual play. Oh. Uh, and it's, it was an amazing experience. Like I got the, I got the people that I wanted to play this particular game with. And like, we met and we had like this amazing conversation about what we wanted from the show and what we wanted from the game. And we made characters and like, I'm very excited to like bring out further details down the road of like what that's going to look like. Because once we like formalize it, it's going to be like some real game changing shit. And that is fire. It was just like 3 hours of like brilliant collaboration between people that I really like and respect yeah. and like I will name those people in time when like we're <laughs> comfortable making that announcement but like yeah, of course for now what I will say is it was like three people that a or two at least two of whom are going to listen to this episode hi there um and but like all three of whom are people that I love and respect and like wanted to work with and like to have them on on this project and like that three hour like prep session was just such a dream that like i am
1: unbelievably excited that's dope making the thing uh the way you want it to and like when everything starts to fall into place like sometimes i notice that um when you're in like the waiting process you know what i mean when you're like we're gonna like right now you're in like pre-alpha but you're still chipping away that to me is like the most exciting it's mm-hmm. like when the plan starts coming together and starts becoming something tangible, that's when you can't help but be, like, vibrating with joy about your that's work. That's exactly where I'm at. I'm fucking obsessed. Now, what do we do on this podcast? We're going to take a listener prompt. We're going to take it, create the greatest story of all time, and I'm very excited for this week's prompt because it's something we're going to take it back to the old um, AMFC lore uh, world and really build something dope. And This prompt comes to us from Megan Cross. The prompt is... There is a pair of constellations in the sky that depict two star-crossed loves, ill-fated to never be together in life, but were placed in the sky to be together forever after death. Who were they? Why couldn't they be together? What power placed them among the stars and why? It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I may, can I just do like a lore recap for my first pitch that I told you before the show? Yes. So y'all, I want to take you back to the Knights of Dragon and learn about two of them who were in a will they, won't they, and unfortunately didn't scenario before they died at the Battle of Iron Hill. And quick refresher, the Knights of Dragon are 17, I believe, 17, human, 17 humans who were trained by Lunadon Spear, the leader of Dragon, to fight uh, in a battle against Iron Hill and like keep the city safe if it came to it after Arthur killed uh, Nymphaea Lachis. Um, and, you know, they all died at the Battle of Iron Hill. A couple of them got out. I think like four uh, either survived or didn't show up. That's three Pickles the Pickle, Delta, Headless Seven, and. Boxcars.
0: Um, uh, Callahan. Oh, Callahan, Whiskerman.
1: Whiskerman, who's number 12. So that's four. And now we got to write the stories of everybody else who kind of kicked. And I want to do two of those today and really, like, dig into that. Really, ju- I've been writing The World Guide. I've been really chipping away at it. And so I'm, like, really obsessed. We've written so much, Jeff, in five fucking years that I'm, it's like... been
0: five, I mean, yeah, it's been five years and, like, almost 200 numbered episodes. Yes, like yes. We've written a lot.
1: <laughs> and it's time, I think, to cash in on these, like, delicious, delicious chips that we've been building up of, like, this world. I think we can really sink into it. And how I'd love to do that. Of course, Megan Cross... Is the writer of the amazing game session zero, which we play all the fucking time on this show now. Why not play it now in order to find out who this who these people were? Why couldn't they be together and stuff like that? So yeah,
0: I've got um I've got some initial thoughts before we even draw some cards. Lit. So I have two big things to posit in a big way that I think are really nice, um really nice notes to like hang our hats on, and then like a structure for how to build out the rest of the episode. If you I'm would ready. like to hear both of those. I would like to say I want both of them to, I want them to both know that the other person is interested.
1: Okay. That's why I implied like a will they, won't they, because like there's feelings there, but I feel like the time is never right or circumstances got in the way. So what Just... I wa-
0: and then what I want to throw out is like, I want to say that there's, there's an element of, all right. So we've been talking now for 10 minutes. This is yes. a moment where I'm going to, I'm going to reveal and edit. Yeah, where we talked for 10 minutes and I pitched a lot of ideas and Aaron has asked me to, to do it concisely
1: I have it's very good and I want I want the picture to be so smooth because I am very excited in the direction this is going and it is not what I expected all
0: right so here's my pitch we are telling the story of Knights 9 and 13 Knights 9 and 13 are too young they're too young they're they're too young knights. Knights 9 and 13 are two young knights. They are they are great, powerful, passionate – you know, the Knights of Dragon are legendary warriors, and these two are no exception. And they have an instant and immediate attraction that forms into, like, a real romantic uh, – it forms into love. There's no other way to put it. And one day, like, they flirt and they dance around each other, and one day they have their heartfelt conversation. They have their – their confession happens. And they each confess to the other, right? They're like, I think I have real feelings for you. I think I might love you. I think I might love you too. Like they have this moment of like, I think I want to be with you. Yeah. Then they get the word from Lumina Spear: I need you to go out into the world. I need you to explore. I need you to see the world. I need you to live lives. I need you to have full lives. And if I ever need you, I will call for you. Being young and naive, they each look at the other and said, let's leave. We'll meet back up here. If we're called upon, we'll meet back up and if we know it's meant to be, we will each be, you know, available when the time comes. They go out and they live amazing lives. They live these rich, full lives. But they always have that place in their heart where they're like, I will end up with the other knight, with my with my one true love. One day they get the call to come back. There is going to be a battle tomorrow. Each of them comes back, and we've said it before in the lore that there is one night where all of the knights are together around a bonfire. Now, this could be a moment for their grand romantic reunion, but it is not. Tragically, it's not, because what happens instead is each of them is so love struck and awestruck in that way that when you when you talk to someone that you truly admire, that every single thing they say is the most exciting thing in the world, they just tell each other the stories of what they've been and what they've done and what they've seen, and they spend almost the entire night just telling each other these stories until they finally, before they can even have their true love's kiss, they fall asleep. They fall asleep in the glow of their one true love, telling these stories about these amazing lives they've lived while well apart. These are not people who fell in love without experiencing life. These are people who fell in love, experienced the life, came back together, realized that they were meant to be together, and then the very next day went off to a battle and both died. And so to the question in the prompt of what brought these two together, what force brought them together among the stars, it is love. And it is love- for each other in that it it was each person's love and admiration and respect and awe and inspiration found in the other that brought them to the constellations that brought the star tender to their doorstep.
1: I love that so much because we've said so many times that like, if you give your heart to something like we usually are talking about trades or practices mm-hmm. or art forms, it becomes magical, it becomes infused with your energy and the same can be said of another person. Like, you could potentially empower someone or, you know, change the world. It's it's It becomes literal magic, which is like a manifestation of a paracausal force. You know what I mean? Like, that just defies everything. So I like the fact that they almost themselves jettison, their love jettisons them into the sky to be together. Like, they could not be apart in death. And it's their yeah. love that, like, defies even maybe the star tender. And it's like... I didn't put them up there, but they're up there. You know, they, they forged the path themselves. I love it. They that. found the road.
0: It was that they always, that like, they, that that love never faded, right? Like, they no. saw a lot of things. They probably both, they probably both loved other people. But of it course. was that sense of like, and yeah. like, may, maybe there were heartfelt uh, breakups. Maybe they found a, a little bit of, of polyamory in their hearts, but like, there was that element of like, part of me is always going to be in love with this this one person and like that love between the two of them was so strong that when death came for them they kept each other they they brought each other to the stars and it's the, it's a little bit of that magical moment of like of like i offer this person to the constellations and i offer this person to the constellations and it was both of them doing that for this other person
1: is what made them among the stars yeah the visual i get is them holding hands like walking on a road that leads to the night sky, like together yeah. in death, like they found their own path that led them back to each other. So that's dope. And now we get to play fun games and find out who they were and like, what was going on? Yeah, which is I'm about, um, listeners, how good was that? Come on, that's why I was like, Jeff, you, you gotta dope. say it again. That was so good.
0: <laughs> um, So here's how I want the mechanical structure of this episode to go, because I think this will work really well. We both have a deck of session zero cards in our possession.
1: That is correct.
0: Um, since and we're making two characters, I think that like I ask a que- I pull a card, I ask a question, we give it, we we describe it about night number nine. You uh, you pull a card, you ask a question, we describe it about night number thirteen.
1: Sick. Okay, so I'm thirteen or I'm asking for thirteen, right? My cards have to do with thirteen. Yours are nine. Yes.
0: Sick. So your answers are going to be at the 13. Your answers are going to be about 9, and mine are going to be about 13. 13's pronouns, she, her.
1: I'm rolling the animal D6. It's back. I found it. <laughs> uh, two fish, he, him. Okay. Cool. So who goes first? Who do you want to go first? Uh,
0: nine goes first.
1: Yeah, let's do. It. so I'm going to ask first. <laughs> You're going to ask the first question. <laughs> Tabletop games. Okay. <clears throat> the pen or the sword? Do you use words or actions to fight? In your mind, why is that the more effective option? Do you ever waver in your choice? He is the scribe of the Knights of Dragon. Oh, cool. So it is the pen.
0: It is, it is quite literally the pen. And Dang. it is literally words. Um, Which is not to say that he is like a non, an, a, a, a passive person participant among the knights
1: of dragon can we make something really cool about words and using words to fight like literally like Uh magical
0: some like magical book you write down sword and the sword comes down from the sky Uh like yeah but like but and (laughs) and, like his role was literally to tell the story of to to write down the ledger of the knights of dragon but like it's you know we're right we're making superhero like these these are superheroes and that superpower is Words come to life and create cool magical shit.
1: Okay, so what what's neat about that is, uh, eight count eight uh, would write wrote the score, like wrote the music of their life and mm-hmm. of the nights. So I liked the fact that, like, perhaps that's the background track of, like, this story. So
0: that adds, like, a detail about all of the Knights of Dragon that, like, I don't know that we have time to get into right now. Yeah, we can um, if you want. We can, but, like— Do whatever not uh, so alright we right, <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get into this super quickly with the, the, the four—the three other knights that we know of. Because mm-hmm. I want to posit something. They're all creating a masterwork. Mm. Like, the 17 knights are creating a masterwork. Yeah. Yeah all of the parts play into that right oh, like,
1: absolutely it's like a, it's the power rangers megazord of of their like, all of abilities magical, work together. magically
0: imbued art right yes, like yes it is each of them plays a role so so uh 9
1: 9 writes it like r- mm-hmm. 9 is the the literal scribe who records actual events and words and like the exact words that have been spoken by these people it's like the autobiographical one you know Seven is kind of the narrator. Uh, eight Count writes the music. Mm-hmm. Um, boxcar, I don't know, builds the set. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Callahan Whiskerman is kind of, you know, hangs the lights. That's okay. I really like this idea, though. Yeah. So
0: uh, real quick, I do have some thoughts on. Uh, so wait. So say again the the arts that that everyone that we've that we've established. So we've got um, we've got um I, I and I just did some did some searching and I, I have a name for nine. Okay. Uh, dotted I. Fucking. I'm because the that. I is the ninth letter of the alphabet and, oh, and the is well. the scribe is gonna dot their eyes. That's very good. Uh so dotted I dotted I writes the 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 story, right? The epic poem of the Knights of Dragon. Um eight count eight count uh B sharp um plays the 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 backing track of the Knights of Dragon. Boxcars is quite literally like designing the game of dragon right like is quite literally like is is a game is a game player is a gambler is a player of games boxcar is quite literally like gamifying the story right Is like creating the gameplay oh, the
1: interactive pieces have a, of the story i have a thing for that Go boxcar for created a 17 suited deck of cards yeah like to you can play games with the literal knights of dragon and they are all like kind of like a 52 deck
0: and as part of the masterwork, like the cards you draw from this seventeen-card like deck, where each card is decorated with one of the Knights of Dragon, yes. you flip it and it tells which verse of the song comes next.
1: Oh fuck! That, okay, uh, that's Jeff. You're going deep, and i Jeff's on fire, y'all. Uh,
0: and yeah, so those well the others we'll talk about later, but like that's the that's kind of the the, the energy that I want all of the Knights of the Dragon to have, is they've all contributed to this art in this art
1: exhibit, this like grand masterpiece. Yeah. And the saddest thing is that because Seven doesn't show up to the at the end, there's no narrator to tell the story. Yep. There's never been anybody to actually tell the grand narrative and finish it. It so was very incomplete. About,
0: what I yeah uh, oh I, that's very good. As Seven is quite literally the the narr- like the he's the
1: voice. Like he's the
0: voice. He is he is there to when Eye uh, writes the words but does not perform them. That is for Headless Seven to mm-hmm. do. Oh God.
1: I love this very much.
0: Delta, Delta as the, as the, uh, as the act, as the, uh, as the performer of the bunch, Delta is quite literally performing on the stage. It is why they are, it is why they are such the sort of like, um, why their physicality is so important is because they are the physical, like they are they are one of the like performers. Like right. I love like they that. are they are they are the they are the the pantomime artist that is like accompanying the words that that Seven is telling.
1: It kind of puts them at this cool duality as well, Seven and Delta, mm-hmm. of of like the two survivors who make it all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. I like that they're the two performers, and Pickles the Pickle was obviously the marketing team. Pickles Number the three pickle. was uh, the marketing.
0: Pickles the pickle was the costumer.
1: <laughs> I am obsessed with that. Yeah, that's Pickles the so pickle good. is making costumes. That's they, they, so they, good.
0: They were they were supposed to craft outfits, and that's why they felt that's why they're so comfortable in costume.
1: Fuck, that's very good. All right, okay. Anyway. So, Dot and I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you use your words or actions to fight? You say words. It's kind of both. In your mind, why is that the more effective option? Do you ever waver in your choice?
0: I think that they waver specifically. I think that the the reason that it's both is because they wavered. Mm. They were supposed to be a passive participant, and they were like, no, I can I should be. Con- I, c- I should contribute. I have yes. to I have to play a role in this, right? It's that very human it's that extremely it's it's tragic and it's a toxic thing and i want to disclaim it as a toxic thing but it's that that desire of seeing fighting and going i have to fight and i have to be on the front lines right like it's that yeah. i being the scribe is not enough despite the fact that being the scribe is plenty like It's that it's that of like, I want to fight. I want to contribute. I want to be on the front lines. And it's like, well, you have a role, but that's not enough. I'm going to find a way to create an art that like allows me to fight alongside. And like the
1: whole the narrative that we've created with these knights is incredibly sad. We're like, it's this family that has its rifts that has its, you know, people fighting, it's bickering, it's loves. It's well, not loves in a family way, but like a collective of people who you know want to protect each other want to keep each other safe so like it's not enough to be like you just be the scribe it's like no i gotta figure out a way to keep god there. i mean nine is in love with 13 like i gotta keep my people safe these are my friends mm-hmm. you know these are my loved ones i can't mm-hmm. just stand by so yeah there is a waiver there dang this sucks the knights of dragon are tragic and i'm here for it i love sad
0: <laughs> That's a good question aaron it's a good question about 13 she is no stranger to rivalry. Who is her rival? How did they come to be that? And what makes that rivalry so important? Now, that's interesting because that's going to let us build like uh, it's going to tell us like what she there's a lot that I'm, I'm going to let I'm just going to let let that sit yeah. and let you answer that.
1: Who? Oh, I know who her rival is in this case. Mm-hmm. I want her rival to be Nine. No. This is a this is a rival man. This is a rival man. So this That's, is, this is rivals, just, rivals yeah. to lovers. <laughs> this is rivals to lovers. Um, it adds to why couldn't they be together? Part of the prompt, but uh, what's the second part of the question?
0: Why is this rivalry so important, and how did they become rivals?
1: They became rivals. Um, I want to talk about what does thirteen do? Because for me, I am a big fan of like what weapon do they use, and like what is their role in the Knights of Dragon? 13's role, we have Delta, I always imagine, is like weapons expert, like can pick up anything, use it as a, you know, as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Not good. Seven's a talker. What about... Hmm, hmm, I, hmm. I? Oh, I have something. Sorry. Go for it. I want this to be personally a wizard who is very combat oriented and strategy based. Like this is the strategist. This is the person who is going to, in their mind, place the chessboard place the players on the chessboard and arrange it for battle. It's like a master tactician, but also a mage. And so someone who doesn't participate. We have something. What you
0: got? Aaron, that works so well with what I had (laughs) and what I was going to say a minute ago. Gimme. Who would be the ultimate rival for someone whose art form is the written word?
1: uh someone who is the
0: uh someone whose art form is the painted picture. Mmm. okay,
1: see that is perfect. She so, is yes, she yes, is yes, the yes, she yes. is
0: the artist of the Knights of Dragon. Oh. and her role, her role is very combat oriented. She is, she quite literally is some kind of like time conjurer. Mm-hmm. In the way of I'm saying all of this and realizing this is a character from the NBC series Heroes but I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> Are you using Hero uh, Nakamura in this? Um this is a person who's paint like she can paint Oh okay. She paints and it but 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 uh, but it is not unlike the person from Heroes. It is not a uh she does not predict the future by by painting it. She paint she wills it into being by painting it. So like, so, so what she does is she creates these, these, these war murals. Yes. Where like, she's like, this is what's going to happen. We are going to, she, she draws like forces coming down from the North. She draws, she like paints these things. And then like her, her grand combat thing is that she paints these very broad strategic initiatives, right? She paints, she paints troop movements and people fighting in particular things. And then by God, those things happen.
1: Yeah. I, okay my my twist on that or like my mm-hmm. take is painting these murals you know these uh, even these like even a drawing on a napkin even something oh, if yeah. she if she draws you if 13 sketches you and you're right in front of her and you are holding a sword you're throwing a fireball you will if yeah. you are the subject of her work you kind of not are her puppet But I feel like if she's the master strategist, it's more of, like, the traditional support character bard in the way of, like, I'm making stratagems because I know what makes you all the best you can be. And so I'm going to depict you doing it so that you are Mm. even—you're the best form of yourself on the battlefield.
0: Yes, and there's something that I want to run with that because there's actually a a safety thing that I really want to, like—I want to tug an emergency shoot on a little bit. Okay, Something that it was like the thing that I had was suggesting of like if she paints you stabbing someone you stab someone it, it feels very mind controlling
1: Oh, I I honestly interpret that as more of the future prediction.
0: Oh, okay. See, I I want to I want to spin it in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Here's what I want to posit. It's not that she actively predicts the future or states things that will happen. No. But if it does happen, it gives you an opt in. It gives you enthusiastic consent, but. If you do it, it's you are you are at your most powerful. And yes, because you said yes, she yes, she yes. recognizes what you're what you how you are your your best, right? Yes. So if she paints you fighting a sword, fighting with swords, right? If she paints you in a sword battle, and you are a and you, like, and you pick up those swords, you are unstoppable. Yes. It it is she quite literally paints you. She's like, look at this painting, like this, like. If you do this, if you, if you, if you make the painting come to life, right? Like if you don't, nothing happens. It's just a lovely painting. But if you, but if you, if you, if you choose to, if she paints something and, and you feel compelled to do it, it imbues like a, a, it imbues all of her magic in you to do the amazing cool thing.
1: Yes. How I'm seeing it is someone, of course, if these are rivals, um, they are in the back. These yeah. are in the back of the battlefield she literally has a sketch pad, an easel. And if you fulfill what is drawn of you about to do, like she draws you a few steps, a few moments in the future. If you fulfill that goal, boom, empowered. If you continue to basically follow her stratagem, follow her track that she is drawing for you. If you keep checking the boxes of the images that she's creating you will be Im- unstoppable.
0: Yeah, it's that. It's she. She imbues. She gives you that sort of cleric sense of like, I'm going to make, give you strength. Yes. and it is. It is tied to I have painted you doing the thing that you are best at, and yes. and if and when you do it, yes, you will be unstoppable.
1: I am obsessed with that because it is both of them in this stance of like sitting in the back, almost not. It would be seeming as if they are not participating in active battle yeah. you know but have incredibly important roles to play as like you know nine writes the word canon and like all of a sudden like the battlefield is shelled or you know right like you said sword and this massive blade like slams into the ground then vanishes i'm thinking for all you nerd anime listeners out there are you familiar with the fate series and anime at all i am not So Gilgamesh, the king of kings, um, has the ability to basically summon an arsenal of conjured weapons that like out of nowhere are fired at people like, you know, could shoot a spear at you and then it just disappears into a sparkle. I see this very in nine's realm of like, if I were to write whatever, it happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I feel Uh, like both of them are battlefield storytellers in a way and they help create the they help create the narrative as well as the flow of battle i love it they are destined to work incredibly well together but what makes them clash what personally like what is it that makes them rivals you know why is this their rival i feel like is it just personal or is it just like one is more important than the other they think
0: it's create. I mean, it is. It is the purest thing of all. It's creative, <laughs> creative differences. Fighting. Like yeah. it's creative, creative differences, di- yeah. right? Like it is. If it because because think about this in terms. Aaron, I am processing so much of the Knights of Dragon through this masterwork art that they're creating. I love um, it very much. If you think about like them, if you think about like them in terms of like creating a masterwork together, think about like as a person who in his life is a a copywriter who works with designers. And has given design direction, has, like, given people design direction, and has worked with designers who have given me copy instructions. There is, like, a – there like, that can be a profoundly challenging thing. Ah, yes. Just to, like, imagine, like – because you're trying to translate your vision into a medium that is not yours. Yeah. You're trying to say, I need copy to fill in this spot. It needs to be this long. It needs to be this many words. It needs to convey this, this, and this because this is what the image that I'm painting is. I need you to I need you to draw a thing that accomplishes this, this, and this to accompany these words that I have written.
1: I get it. Can, can I paint a picture? Yeah. It's almost like the two Can of I write the- a book? <laughs> Whoa! Well, it's very that. Like it's very I'm seeing when they are working in tandem, like when the Knights of Dragon are on fire, right? When they are playing their masterpiece orchestra, you know, when it's really raging. I imagine like it's sort of an alley oop. Like uh 13 who is known as, mmm, boy. My my thought process for the naming convention, listeners, I'll tie you into this, that I'm struggling with, is I want something that, I really want to hammer home this idea that she draws you, she's basically making a flipbook almost, of you doing dope shit. And if you do what's on the page, you are better. So she's kind of creating this movie of you being a badass in an action movie. And if you can complete it, you are the hero in your own film hmm that's kind of the feel that i'm getting we're like in a battle it's very fast it's very like you know and so that's why i think the two of them work so to- well together because if she's drawing you know nine dotted eye drawing a massive sword that's caught by fucking boxcar boxcar throws it, it's like this super they have synergy their abilities have synergy dotted i and she is it can be similar to his is it sketch Sketch. Okay, so her code name is Sketch. So, yeah, I really think that the two of them have this really beautiful symmetry, and that is kind of what would bring them together, and like, you know, they, they argue, they argue, they argue, but they see the abilities that they have in tandem. You know what I mean? When they're mm-hmm. really grooving and working together, because the two of them could basically just keep empowering each other and then empowering the group. You know, the yeah. two of them are like the healer and the tank of the party, like without it, it all falls apart without these two yeah. working together. Because I feel like the amazing things that these, the Knights of Dragon can do. Yes, they can do them on their own, but like we've implied that these people fight the entirety of Iron Hill's army, which I'm imagining. And like these mm-hmm. are Tom, like thousands of people are fought by 17 people. So I imagine it's because the two of them are really ramping it up in this moment that allows the Knights of Dragon to be superheroes in this moment. Like super mm-hmm. duper heroes. Yeah. 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 Cool. So that's geez. We got there to why they're so why they rivals is honestly like creative differences at first. That's what makes them like when they're training. Cause I imagine before they're like knights and nights, before Lumina uh, Dawn Spear is like go out, live your motherfucking life. They have to like train. I imagine very like my hero academia type feel where like they're figuring their shit out and learning how they all work together. Because if it's grand orchestra, they all have to learn how to play together. Mm -hmm. And that's part of like this entire group's journey together. And that's what causes riffs. But at the end of the day, they know that they all need each other and they all lean on each other in terms of power and friendship. I love it. So I'm going to read a card for nine. We're going to learn even more. All right. A mentor or teacher helped shape your childhood. What did they teach you? How long were you under their tutelage? What was the most valuable lesson you learned from them? Mm. I have a question for you. Yeah. Just in lore sense, do you see or were they trained by Lumina Dawn Spear? Or did they like train themselves? Is it like, you know, a group collective, or is Lumina Dawn Spear like ultimate badass level? Like, let me teach you how to use all of your fucking weapons, et cetera, et cetera.
0: It's the latter, but not ultimate badass.
1: Okay. Because we said Lumina Dawn Spear's deal is
0: like Scoof. the ultimate, like, is the <laughs> ultimate like um community builder daydreamer community builder, right you it, know. like is the ultimate like community builder librarian. daydreamer like, like you librarian know, <laughs> like um like her deal was that she would like connect people and like build relationships and like build communities and like i think part of that is like I think it's less that she's the ultimate badass and taught them via, like, here's how to use a weapon and be cool, and more so in terms of, like, the encouraging mentor type of, like, just,
1: and, like oh, she's oh, the oh. ultimate hype woman, basically. That is what Dragon's culture is all about, is yeah. the passion and enthusiasm, finding this concept of, like, your inner fire, like, what makes you tick? So I think, like you said, like, Lumina helped them discover, like, what they do best. Yeah. Oh, this is dope. And how to push it into into the into the superhuman, into the magical. Oh baby, I love because we've always been like, you know, hi listener, I know this episode's all over the fucking place, and it's because like these night characters have been very prevalent in the story, and they're these superhuman fucking people, Power Ranger ass motherfuckers, and so I'm glad that we found that like Lumina just kind of through encouragement and self-discovery made them unlock their inner like Mm -hmm. pretty much you just said jeff that in fantasy if you train hard enough and you learn enough about yourself you basically can become like a superhero slash power ranger like Mm -hmm. that is training in this world is like learning what you do best and what makes you passionate that's like a way to unlock your inner potential and that's very good so what was nines what uh how long were they under their tutelage uh, nine
0: is actually like a very close disciple of Lumina, like, mm. um, cause I think like, and I think kind of like, because he kind of had to be, yeah. uh, like it's part of his, like, she's a librarian, he is a writer, right? Like, yeah. and I think part of that is like, if he is writing the story of this, right? I think it's, it's that he, is writing the story of this. He literally has to know how to capture them at their best, right? Like, yeah, and accurately. He has, he has to be a hype person in order to like tell their story. Yeah. So I think, like, I think he very closely studied, and I think maybe that's part of the rivalry. Is like, sketch felt like maybe maybe she should have been the like oh. the like the pupil. And so there's an element of like trying to impress teacher, like the like competing
1: for competing for the number one mentor spot. And honestly, Jeff, what you're saying is very cool of uh, someone who has to tell the story accurately and hype them up at the same time. It's a challenge, especially telling an accurate story. It's like an honest autobiography would be a movie would be very boring. And that's where like sketches, like drawing these dramatic people doing amazing things that they have not done yet. And I feel like the two would butt heads, if they both want to be kind of like this note taker, because it's like, I want to draw them doing dramatic, amazing things. And, you know, nine is like, but that's not what's happening. Fucking boxcar just threw a card across the room and it just fell. It didn't Mm -hmm. explode in flames yet. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah, like stop it. (laughs) Stop trying to make them the X-Men. They're just kids right now. Like they're just not kids, but they're just like noobs. Like, you know what I mean? This isn't accurate. You're not really telling the story. And I feel like that level, both of them have an enthusiasm for making their group and themselves the best they can be, but the way that they tell the story of their friends and of what's happening are very different, and that's what made it like, I'm right, I'm right, and Impressing Teacher. I do like that element as well. I like it. I like it a lot. Apple polishers, fucking nerds. They're nerds. They're They're a couple nerds. Yeah, they're two nerds who aren't on the battlefield. One's sitting in the back sketching dope shit that their friends are doing. Watching the battle intently, and the other one is literally writing cool stuff. Like, I imagine them writing, like, you know, five spectral bulls charge the battlefield, and out of this book, like, charge bulls that, like, bulldoze, like, through a wall.
0: I love it. Uh, So, my next card for 13. Uh, Before she was an adventurer, she had other pastimes. What was her favorite hobby? Was she always good at it? Does she still practice – or did she still practice it uh, when she left after becoming a Knight of Dragon when she left and lived her life?
1: Okay, so 13, I imagine, is a very – is a very strong-willed person. And, like, this is someone who loves – you know, this is someone who you would see having a very active Twitter full of opinions. Mm. This is someone who isn't afraid to say what's on her mind or how she feels – at any given fucking time. So I imagine that her hobby was, in fact, like, journaling what's going on with her team. Doing the thing that Nine does has always kind of been a side thing for her. Like, you know, in her own way, her interpretation of events has been important to her because it's what she's always drawn upon for her work. Like, I imagine before, when it's not used for, like, combat, I imagine her willing herself, like seeing her reality, which oftentimes in real life is not that exciting, making, putting a twist on it to make it that level of heightened and fantasy Mm -hmm. and epic and badass and isn't afraid to encourage people to do their best, isn't encouraged, like, you know, is that fiery dragonian, but in the way that is very opinionated it can be aggressive in that way of like why aren't you trying to do your best like you're incredible are you shitting me i wish i could do it i wish i could throw a fucking card across the room you're unbelievable like that very heated uh passionate person but because they see what people can do they don't see the world as mundane um and so i feel like journaling has always been an important thing to 13 and Mm. writing this like, her, when she sees, I feel like she did a lot of talking when they, the night that her and Nine got back together because she had a literal book It was, like, full of these adventures and it almost was, like, an action fantasy movie and it almost, it made no sense. It wasn't, it's not well written because these things are very dramatized. These things are very exciting. And I feel like that has been her hobby, is, like, mm. kind of making what she sees as... She went out to live an ordinary life and like experience the world, and the things that she found she decided to heighten. You know she didn't just go to the park; she went on a quest to experience nature and to unlock the secrets of the planet, like things like that. Does that work?
0: uh, I mean, Aaron, you just said that uh sketches pastime and hobby is writing, and that is in fact adorable. I don't like that is just like next level cute like there's a cuteness <laughs> of that like that is very cute. Uh and I mean like I mean Dotted Eye's pat time has to be like sketching and half of course. To, like, like and they're they're not good sketches. Like no. they, they are they are bad. But like but like what he would do is he would travel and he would see the world. He would he would go do he was I think I picture him as doing cool shit. Yeah. And like I picture him living very big. Yeah. Because like he wanted because like he was like, I got I gotta go, I gotta do everything.
1: And it's I a nice duality everything. between the two.
0: Yeah. And like I picture he has like the <laughs> He has a fan man montage (laughs) sketchbook (laughs) of him doing cool things and like they're not good drawings. (laughs) But like he's like, look, this is me jumping into a volcano, and she is telling a story of like of like, yeah, I ran for public office. I I was mayor of this small town, and there were scandals. In reality, she did she did run for office, but like it was just like boring like boring yeah, off, she just like, small like town really helped the town
1: get <laughs> their shit together
0: <laughs> she like you know really boosted boosted the boosted the tourism industry in the small town she just like organized the small festival
1: is that moment that we said when the two of them were told the group was told like go out live your lives and they decided to not be together on this journey i think the other like they laughed to each other that's like when i see you again I want like 13 said to nine, I want to see all the drawings of the adventures that you've had. And it's like, and you know, dotted, I said, all right, well then I want to see your epic tales of adventure. Like I want to hear all the written Uh word. I want to hear about all the things you did. And they, and they followed through. And that's honestly why, like you said at the beginning, there was a part of them that like tugged no matter if they were in other relationships, what they were doing. And it's like, because part of them was like, I can't wait to tell nine. I can't wait to tell 13 and show them, what I've been up to, the amazing things that I've done. And that's why they fall asleep at the bonfire. They were Mm -hmm. so excited to share this notebook and this sketch pad. And, you know, it's always been kind of this cute, I'm butting my fist together, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I want to see what you can do. Oh, yeah, you think writing is the best medium? Well, you know, I'm drawing you, you know, pooping your pants. So there, you know, things like that. I like this two, these two rivals coming together to realize that like what brought them together i believe is one seeing how badass they are together when they're using their cool magic powers but also like when they i think when they realized they were splitting up they were like who am i gonna who am i gonna argue with about mm-hmm. what movies are better who am i gonna argue about what books are better oh shit i love this i like this person a whole fucking lot oh wow yeah. i am missing them in every aspect of my being i, I and they, and their powers kind of are whack when they're alone you know what I mean? Like their powers yeah. are kind of lame when they're not like making each other do dope shit and like helping the whole group. They oh, kind yeah. of just sit in the back and like oh, I wrote some spectral bowls, and it's like well, you can only use the spectral bowls and not regular ones because I I drew you conjuring spectral ones. And you're like, oh, we are we are in tandem. Our powers are kind of linked. I love it. I am obsessed. This is good. Um, whose turn is it? Yours, right? Yes. Nobody's perfect. What is the biggest lie you ever told? Who did you tell it to? Why did you tell it? (sighs) It's big. How big is this? It's It's pretty big. AMFC, no Boy Scouts. No Boy Scouts. Well, so here's what I've got.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know exactly what it is. He lied to the other Knights of Dragon.
1: How so? About what?
0: You were supposed to leave and live like an ordinary life. You were supposed to leave and like... Experience experience, things. Experience things, but, like, experience things as an ordinary person, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: He left and went to be a fucking superhero. Oh. And told everyone that he was a knight of dragon <laughs> that like he is was just good he just like he was off doing big hero shit and was and like when he came back was like yeah i i did exactly the same thing i uh did a little ordinary life and then like when he was alone with with 13 was like no 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 i told every everybody knew i was knight of dragon everybody knew we were walking around i kind of spoiled that rumor for everybody
1: but why did he t- the last part of the question why did he tell it
0: because he wanted to feel like the big hero like damn it was was quite literally i want to be a big cool hero i want to and so i'm gonna be the hero the knight of dragon that has left the the flying city of dragon to go like encounter the world and i'm gonna like save people from volcanoes and like be like i'm a knight of dragon i'm from this legendary city damn i saved you bye and like he proceeded to just lie and like lied to his lied to his fellow knights and was like yeah i just lived an ordinary life the only person that knows the that knows that's not the case is 13
1: that i really like um because i definitely think that's something that 13 does not like oh yeah is that like 13 followed the rules 13 was like you know being i put air quotes on this like a normal person without super duper magic powers and just like writing in a journal while helping people as a regular person, not like using super powerful magics. And then you hear this, you'd be like, well, that sucks. You know, I still like you, but like, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's a fucking bummer. Um. Oh, okay. I have one. Can I have one for, is it a lie for uh, 13 that I just thought of? Yes. 13 saw dotted eye while she was like out being a normal person and saw him saving someone in a town and like doing something and people were clapping and you know they were standing atop of like a beholders corpse as you know they won the day and everyone's like thank you oh my god and like you know wielding this like incredible glowing book and 13 did not say hello i love it 13 just said nothing was like kind of disgusted in that moment like that was the conflict of like who are you the fuck yeah. are you doing and I feel like that's something that thirteen didn't bring up at the fire, and that's just like one of those you know those real life regrets that you kind yeah. of have. Yeah, that's all. I just wanted to sprinkle that bit of sadness. In. <laughs> what <laughs> is Jeff it? loves romance. I love that. Sad. I love it. I'm all about it. So my final card. You carry a lucky charm everywhere
0: you go. What is it?
1: Oh, I I know exactly. I know kind of the vein that it's in and it's definitely like that very tropey like something very mundane that dotted eye that nine gave to 13 and like a casual thing you know before they no before they left it was a romantic token but what was the lucky oh i know what it is the pen that she journals with Mm. it's this pen that never runs out of ink and it was like this cute gift from uh nine but like Till the day she is in the dirt, it's tucked behind her ear. She doesn't use it to draw, but it's because it's special. It's for writing. It's for writing about my life for me to tell you later. And that's like what she died with was this pen behind her ear because she still has quite a bit to tell him even when they're in the stars. I love it. Great. Fuck yes! All right. So you said you had some, you had some touching, emotional moments.
0: I did. There's, there's, there's. They there's, gotta there's,
1: fucking die, Jeff. And that's, I know. They to the and stars. they die. And
0: I don't really want to talk about how no. they die. <laughs> no, I meant like the the fun part where they turn there's, into constellations. They, they turn into constellations and they are together forever. But Aaron, there's a particular thing about constellations that I really like, and like we've referenced it a few times. And like accountability, like I'm the one that initially posited it and like it just has been rubbing me the wrong way and i want to add a little detail from like an actual thing that i love in constellations and in the stars and in astronomy that ties nicely into kind of like putting a bow on like a part of it that i felt like i didn't love
1: okay what don't you love
0: as much as i know that we say no boy scouts and we like we like having flawed characters oh, there's something yeah, about
1: yeah but i like boy scouts too I meant into, I like flawed characters. Oh, yeah,
0: I do too. But there's just something about like someone living, like having relationships and being like, I'm not really into you. Like there's someone else that I hold. And so like, and I like the idea of this per of like, there being an element of like polyamory to that of like, I, I my heart belongs to multiple people. This is my first love. This is my first love. And that will always hold a special place. But the feelings that I have for you are genuine and real. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is like a very real thing is that you have constellations, but you also have minor stars attached. If the thing that made Thirteen uh, a constellation was Nine's love of her, what I want to posit is that, like, on Thirteen's constellation, there are minor stars. Mm. Because one of the things that he loved about her was, like, in her story, it's about, like, her falling in love and, like, her first, her first wife and, like, their time together. And, like, it's these stories of, like... Of like the men and women and non-binary people that she loved, and like the stories that she had, and like part of what he like he kind of in that moment refell in love with was like that she loved all of these people, and like she had these very like she was like I I I've always loved you, but I've also always loved these other people, and so like the constellation of thirteen, she was a she was a polyamorous person, and like there are minor stars. Like, there are stars that are kind of, like, part of her constellation, right? Like, in the way that, like, when you see a star map and you see the constellation, there are the stars that are around it. And those stars are also important, A, for helping to identify the constellation. And B, because they usually have lore attached to them in some way. Like, you know, you have Orion and then you have, like, the stars near Orion that sometimes form, like, lesser other constellations. Not lesser constellations, but, like, other constellations that are kind of connected to Orion. Yeah. I kind of pictured that, like, her other loves make it up there as well right like it's this sense of like they are part of her constellation because they are part of her life they are part of what makes her magical and powerful and wonderful and special but like it is just tied to that of like part of what he loved about her was that she had such love for so for uh for all of the people that she loved for her it's
1: part of their life it's what makes them right that's what makes them so you th- know it's- those
0: people that she loved part of them make it up to the stars with her like it is that it is that like she always held a piece of our heart for nine yeah but when she came back to nine she still held a piece of her life for for kathleen for kathleen silver spoon and for you (laughs) know for marcus slop bucket like 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 these like ordinary ordinary people like that she's like yeah like we were we were a throuple together and we were very very happy for many years like i came back and I came yeah. back because I also love you and I needed to be here for you in this moment. But like, they're up there too. I just, I, that yeah. was there was a detail that I was like, I would just like that to be a thing and have her have some other stars attached because yeah, there were I, people that she loved.
1: I like that a lot because I want to call it the joining road. Mm. Um, and it's the, the constellation itself. I'm seeing the visual of two strings of stars that intertwine with one another. And there's two large, Were the, the two roads of stars connect are the two brightest Mm -hmm. and that's thirteen and nine. But attached to them are strings of stars that make them the shape, that give them the shape that they are. And that's the people that they've loved along the way that gave them their shape to lead them back together. What I would
0: what I'm gonna posit is two very specific and different things. And this is the note that I think I want to end on. It is 13's loves. Like, it is it is. It 13 went and lived, like, a life full of joy and love and happiness and fell in love and dated many people and had lovely relationships. Nine didn't have that but saved a lot of people and, like, helped a lot of yeah. people. And so, like – and and it kind of adds to the, the mythology of the joining road, right? It's, like, yeah. could be the people that you love, could be the people that you help but they all come, they all join you on the joining road in time.
1: Yes, it's it's more than just about love in this case. It's the constellation itself is about the many people in your life that make you you. It's a constellation that is about seeing your place in the world and the effects you have on people's lives, mm-hmm. whether it be love or combat or friendships or family that help lead you to who you are and what you were meant to be. And in this case, it was two lovers, but all these things led them together to be where they wanted to be more than anything. Cause they didn't want to be fighters. They just kind of wanted to be together, but all these things led to the same road. This is a good fucking story. We did Jeff. it. We crushed it. That's a wrap fuck that is a wrap holy cats um thank you so much um megan cross for your prompt and also thank you for writing session zero the amazing game that we're playing you can find megan at megan lynn ftw for the win on twitter and you can find uh session zero on megan's itch at megan lynn Io. so go buy it because you can It's it's amazing it's all you need for making fire characters If you want to submit a prompt to our show so that we can collaborate and make a cool fucking story inspired by your brilliant submission, there are a bajillion ways you can do it. You can tweet at us at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them
0: to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Or you can go to bit.ly slash amfc discord and post them in the prompt submission channel.
1: Boom. Come hang out in our discord. It's fun. Um... Jeff, you have another podcast that you make on the world's wide web dot uh, And I want people to know
0: about it. <laughs> uh, I sure do. Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two player role playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend. We play a two player game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Wednesday at Party of Aaron,
1: you also have another podcast. I do. I'm a cast member on Skyjack's Courier's Call, an all-ages all actual play uh, set in the world of Sphere from campaign Skyjacks. It's about 14-year-olds who deliver the mail and learn about their dope world and find their place in it. Season 2's Kickstarter is inbound sooner or later, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, just binge Season 1. It's a lot of fun if you have youngins or you like adventure yourself. The young and young at heart. Um, yeah, and you can find that on OneShot Network, which is our parent network, which is our home. The OneShot Network is home to fabulous, fabulous shows all about tabletop and the design process, whether you like actual play, whether you like shows about design, whether you like interview shows, there's something for you there. So go to OneShotPodcast.com and browse around some amazing content. Now, Jeff, every episode, we end with a verbal hug, which is something that w- nice that we want to tell our share with our listeners that we also want to share with each other and ourselves. Do you have anything off the top of your head? I sure do, Aaron. Dang. That, <laughs> fuck, that was quick. I mean, I mean, it, it it came easy. It came easy. Yeah, this episode was like super deep and good. So I'm about it.
0: Um, Your joining road is longer than you realize. And I hope that you take some time. Uh, to appreciate the the scope of it and the people that uh, and the, the whole of those that uh, ha- have walked along your joining road with you, the people that you've loved, the people that you've helped, the people that have helped you, the people that love you, and I hope that carries you where you're going.
1: Very good. Um, mine, tiny people in your life, whether or not you remember them or realize it in those moments – Uh, have a major lasting impact on your life and it's okay to stop even if it was at a challenging time in your life if there was somebody good it's okay to remember them and feel good about them and reflect um especially if you can't tell them that anymore it is important to you to sit down acknowledge their place on your joining road and your life and place in the universe and think about the effect they had on you um it's something I've been doing uh, recently, and it's been uh, quite an experience thinking about just a minor, someone who was a minor character, I thought in my life, who ended up being a major, major player in who I am. And so it's just, this stuff's been on my mind, and I encourage all of you to sometimes take a trip down memory road, even if it's challenging, and remember the people who helped get you to where you want to be and be the person that you are now boom. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's all we do here. It is all we do here. So until next time, good night and good Good game. game. There is a grand field of flowers just outside of Iron Hill. The scars that this field once bore, the aftermath of an ancient and horrible battle, are no longer seen. What we see is life, and a man in ornate armor. He is walking through the field, picking flowers and adding them to fifteen beautiful wreaths. The man, once known as the Knight Headless Seven, turns his face to the sky and lifts up a wreath. You know, every year yours is the hardest to make. You know, but hey, I'm trying, Sketch. You see how I tried to make the blues, um, develop a sense of calm? I think you said that once. Oh, so I started learning how to make flipbooks. You know, they're not nearly as amazing as yours, but I think I'm getting pretty good. I try to remember all the things that you used to say about art and how it can bring out the best in all of us. Change the world. Well, I'll keep on sketching. and Maybe I can bring out the best in someone the way that you used to for me. Now yours, Mr. Dotted Eye. Took me about three seconds to make, you know, three seconds to make the wreath, but the story you'd write about it would be 300 pages. Man, I wish you two had more time. i miss reading your work, man. Now you know that old Headless Seven can spin a yard, you know this. But I knew that I couldn't even tie your shoes, Dotted. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about your writing. How it felt to speak your words and see how they could move an audience. (sighs) You were the best, you two. And you knew it. (laughs) That's what I liked about you. You taught me the weight of art and the impact that it can have. And I'll do my best to keep your work alive in this world. Okay, all seriousness aside, is that really you two up there? Oh, man. Man, I always hoped you two would get together. It just made sense. And if it is, I hope when I go, I can see all of you one last time. (laughs) Catch that bonfire I missed. (sighs) Okay, who is next? a count, a count. You know, I was just thinking about a song you wrote the other day, and it was like humming it as I walked along. And yeah, I know, you used to say that humming was...